Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. All right, everybody, we're going to finish up the Life at the Core series today. Will you do me a favor and welcome those watching by Facebook today? We welcome you. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday, last Sunday of January. And so uh, we're glad that you're with us. So we've been talking about core, life at the core, living from the inside out. Well, we've talked about a few different things. The first week we talked about we're faith-filled, big thinking. That's who we are. Okay, second thing we talked about is we connect with others to make us stronger. And then the final thing we talked about was this past weekend online as we talked about we serve wholeheartedly to make an impact. And these are value statements. These are values, learning to live life from the inside out. And, and you know, as a, maybe as a family, also maybe uh, during this series you've had an opportunity or maybe you've not even thought about it. But it'd be cool if you sat down as a family and said, what do we value? Like, do we value time together? Do we value fun? Do we value teamwork? Do we value excellence? Like your room ain't clean, like excellence kind of stuff. You know, like, what do we value as a family? Uh, maybe that's something you can sit down with each other and do, or maybe you sit down with just you and your spouse and say, as, a, as a marriage, what do we value? And because that's going to determine how you live. That's going to determine the behaviors that you display because it's coming from somewhere. And, you know, you, what you spend your time doing the most is what you value the most. And, and so as we went through this series, hopefully that you've been able to pick up on a few things. And as a church, these are, this is who we are. This is, this is what fuels us, okay? I was reading, and uh, anybody ever read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Anybody ever read that book? Good, good, three highly successful people in this room, okay? But he talks about in his book two types of mindsets, and what he talks about is he talks about a scarcity mindset and he talks about an abundance mindset. And today's value that we're going to discuss is we as a church lead the way with radical generosity. And, and, you, and I'm, this is something that from the very beginning of our church that we've tried to display. That we want to lead the way with radical generosity. We don't want to live with a scarcity mindset. Now, when he talks about scarcity in his book, and here's something he says, he says, a scarcity mindset is someone who believes that there is simply not enough to go around. That they live with the mindset that they're always a lack, and you're always lacking, and you got to get what you can because there's not enough to go around. That's the scarcity mindset. Scarcity is about control and selfishness. The scarcity mindset. And I heard a pastor talking about this, this scarcity mindset. And he said, for such a long time, this is how he lived. And um, how many of you ever re-gifted an item before? Re-gifted an item. Well, this pastor was talking about, not saying you have a scarcity mindset, but this, this cat had a scarcity mindset. This is the funniest story I've ever heard. So he, he, he's living with this scarcity mindset. And, uh, but at the same time, God's kind of working on him to break through this generous pattern. And um, so he, uh, he has a guy come uh, remodel his bathroom. So he comes, remodels his bathroom, and he's not a Christian, uh, the guy that does the work. And he says, he says to, to the guy, like in his heart, he's just like, I want to bless this guy a little bit more. So he goes into his drawer in his, in his, uh, in his sock drawer, and he keeps a stack of gift cards there. 
And so he takes this gift card from Chili's and he wraps it up and he tells the guy at the end of the job, it looks great, wanted to bless you with something a little bit, just want to be generous. And so he, he hands him the gift card. And so he gives him the gift card and later that night he gets a phone call from the guy that did the bathroom work. And uh, he answers the phone and, and he says, hello, how you doing? And he said, I'm doing good. He says, sounds like it's loud where you're at. He said, yeah, I'm at Chili's, you know, that, that restaurant you gave me uh, that gift card to. And he said, I'm, I'm here at Chili's with my buddies and we're drinking beer and I, I decided I was going to just buy everybody's beer. Well, then I went to run the gift card you gave me and there's only $2.48 on this gift card. He had forgot that he had used part of that gift card and instead of going out and buying a legit gift card that he knew was $25 to help this man celebrate with his friends, he went the scarce way and gave him a gift card for dude. Needless to say, this man cussed this pastor out up and down for giving him a gift card for $2.48. Amen. That's, a, that's awesome. Now, that's a true story. That really happened to me. No, I'm just kidding. It, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. We don't do it like that. But a scarcity mindset. Now, an abundance mindset is this. Someone who believes there's always more. I like to be around people like that. Not the people that are freaking out and fearful and like, oh, we only got so much here. You know, we're going to really believe for the five loaves and two fishes miracle. Okay? But the abundance mindset is, abundance is about generosity and giving. Scarcity is about selfishness and control. Abundant mindset is if we take it, take it from a faith perspective from this, from this book, we look at abundance mindset and go, we serve in an abundant, powerful God, and our God will always provide for us. Now, I'm not saying you don't use common sense. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a budget. Come on, somebody. You're a good steward. You're blessed. Uh, you own nothing but are steward of everything. That's how God sees things. And we'll get into that today, but, but you still have to be a good steward. But an abundance is a mindset. And it's not an amount, it's not a dollar figure. It's a mentality that God will provide always more. Amen? And so for us today, when we think about scarcity, I brought, come on, amen, someone, come on, somebody. Apple pie. And I've been giving out apples, but I figured I'd bake you guys an apple pie with all those apples. And so I really didn't bake it, but I got it. All right? So here's, what, here's the scarcity mindset. Here's what happened. Is there anybody that's not had sweets and sugars on this fast? Anybody? Says, I did not have. I don't want to choose you. Okay? All right? I tell you what. I tell you what. You, Delaney, come up here. Come up here with me real quick. Now, here, here's kind of the scarcity mindset. Give it up for Delaney, everybody. Okay? Here's the, here's the scarcity mindset. We have one, two, three. Six, seven, eight pieces of pie. Okay? And here's what scarcity does, all right? Scarcity says this. Okay, I'm going to give you. How are you feeling today? I'm going to give you. I need some, like, circus music behind me or something. Ding, 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 ding. So I'm going to give you a piece of pie. All right? That's yours, okay? Now, what scarcity does is go, oh, my gosh. There's a hole in my pie. I am not going to have enough. This is all I have. And scarcity says, 
instead of me generously giving this to you, I'm not focused on what I just gave you. I'm focused on what's left. I'm like, holy cow, I only got seven. Now, if I was to amp it up a little bit, smile at the people. There you go. All right, you're online. You know that? Say everybody over Facebook. There you go. Yeah, she's like, mm, this is great. You do those Instagram stories and stuff. I've seen them. So you can wave. Everybody knows who you are. Okay, so if I amped you up a little bit, okay, let me give you a little more here. Let's just say I was extra generous and I was like, oh, you can share this with your brother and sister. Not your mom. She works out and eats healthy. Okay? All right? Okay? Now, here's the deal. If I, if, I, if I live with a scarcity mindset, I'm not thinking about with a good, good mindset and a good heart that I just blessed you with three things of apple pie. What I'm doing is I'm going, a scarcity mindset is I only have five pieces left. But an abundant mindset says this. If we take it from a faith perspective, God will always provide. And as we give, God provides. As we give in generosity, it's not what's been given, and we look at it and go, we have lack. We go, you know what? God, in his sovereignty and blessing, will give us another pie. Come on, somebody. Because what we're doing now is we're not, we're not living with the mentality that, oh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we just got this give. And what happens is when you live with scarcity, your giving is not authentic. Your giving is based in fear because you're worried about what's left. That's why some of you don't tithe. Because you figured uh, 100% with your ability versus 90% with God's ability is much better. So you live with the scarcity mindset. You know, we got those lights. You know, those lights, we want to be able to see at night. Hold on a second. Are we living with scarcity? I know we live with wisdom. But the word of God is clear about these principles. And so what we do now is God is abundant in nature and he gives us everything we need that as we give, then he provides more and we become a conduit of generosity. To where now we're not freaking out about half of an apple pie gone, but we're like, Jesus, you'll not only provide apple, uh, you'll provide peach and pumpkin and pecan. Come on, somebody. You're even going to throw a seven-layer cake in there. You know, Jesus is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Amen, everybody? Amen. All right, give it up for Delaney. Okay, I got all this pie up here that I want to serve to you, but I don't have time. So, Sonia... For the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen people. Pie after service. Okay? The disciples plus one. Okay, you got everything? Okay, good. Here, you, hey, hold on a second. Don't leave. Where are you going? Take the forks with you. There you go. Oh, here, you guys. Do you guys get forks for everybody? Just, <laughs> supposed to catch them. We're totally online throwing forks. Okay? All right, so the point this morning is, is that we want to live with an abundant mindset. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. Here's, here's what Paul was trying to inspire this group of Corinthians. Now, this group of Corinthians were gnarly kind of people. They had the, the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, but they couldn't love each other. I mean, it was chaos. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul wants to inspire them to give uh, to the church in Jerusalem. Now, and the church in Jerusalem was like the headquarters of all the churches, okay? And he was inspiring them to give, and he was telling the Corinthians about a group of people known as the Macedonians. Now, nobody knew who those people were. 
It was a small group of broke people. They were dirt poor, and they were called the Macedonians. And, and these people came, and they gave a massive gift to the church in Jerusalem. And Paul, in his writing in 2 Corinthians 8, was bragging about them. He was saying, hey, there's this group called the Macedonians that were poor, and they came with generosity and gave. Now listen to what the scripture says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1, it says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now again, when they said Macedonians, they're, they're, they're equating it to like a Samaritan was an outcast. A Macedonian was a person that was poor, broke, could not offer anything to society. And so Paul says, I want to tell you about this group of people called the Macedonian churches. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, does that go together? Joy and poverty. It doesn't go together. Now, I know it makes some of you nervous when I talk about giving, finances. Listen, I don't really think we have a giving issue. I think we have a money issue. Here's what I mean by that. We don't know how to handle money. I, don't, I believe inside of you, you have this gift because God wants you to give. But you're so strapped with MasterCard. Come on, somebody. You can't really obey what God wants you to do. So in this, this church, though, listen to, what he's, listen to what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So they were like, woo! Baby, we are broke, but hallelujah. And they bring this. <laughs> sounds wild, doesn't it? Some of you did that. Some of you did that this week, didn't you? You were like, hallelujah, I'm broke, but Jesus is on the throne. Amen? So here's what happens in this church is it says they welled up with generosity. How and why? How and why did they, how and why did they, did, in a severe trial of being extremely poverty and impoverished how could they well up in rich generosity he says for i testify that they gave as much as they were able listen and even beyond their ability entirely on their own what's that mean they wasn't even asked out of the goodness of their generosity out of the goodness of the joy of the lord they gave let me ask you a question when was the last time you gave as much as you were able and maybe even pushed it beyond that that's what this church did. Now, again, we're going to lead the way with radical generosity. When is the last time you were able to give as much as you were able and then maybe even pushed it a little bit? Now, verse 4 says this. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. They were saying, hey, whew, Paul, we want to give. And they were, they were excited in joy in the middle of a severe trial. And it says that he, they were pressuring him, pleading with him, Paul, it's not about you, Paul. It's not about the church in Jerusalem. It's a privilege for us to be able to give. It's, a, it's an overwhelming joy for us to be able to give. Why? Because we're not living with a half-pie mentality. We're believing that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And that's what this church took on. They didn't take a poverty mindset. They did not take a scarcity mindset. They were pleading with them about the privilege of giving. Truly, they lived with the idea that it's better to give than it is to receive. How different it is today. How different the heart of us going 
we want to well up with joy and much generosity. See, in verse 5 it says, and they exceeded our expectations. This is Paul. But notice the progression. He says, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first. Everybody say first. To the Lord. Then it says, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had early made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, he says you're excelling in faith, you're excelling in speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and perseverance and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He was saying, look at this church. They stepped up to the plate. They were in a need. They gave with generosity. They, they, were, they were privileged to give. And Paul says, see that you excel in that same spirit. That's the, the mindset behind 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you generous? It's, it's an inventory this morning. Are you generous? When you look at the, if, if you look at life at the core and go, we lead the way with radical generosity Am I generous is a question we must evaluate. So in John chapter 12, here's a passage this morning that I want to break down for you. Just three thoughts on radical generosity. John chapter chapter 12 verse number 1 says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then, again, he had just came back from the dead, and now he's chilling at the table having a meal with Jesus. I mean, that's a good thing. Then he says this. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Scarcity mindset. See, she was living with an abundant mindset. He was living with a scarcity mindset. Like, why didn't, you just, why didn't you just give that to the poor? Why'd you pour out that oil on the Lord's feet? There are poor people that need that. You ever get to the end of your meal and you're not going to finish it? And somebody said, there's a kid in Africa that could finish that plate. <laughs> then you box it up and send it over there and see how well it lasts. Here's the point. He says this. He says, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Whoa. So he was a thief, and he had the money box. So here he was. Judas was walking around questioning a woman's sacrifice of oil, and then he turns around and says, what's known of him is that he is a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. That'd be like the offering bucket going by. And you taking out <laughs> what you need and just taking it and then and not putting anything in. Okay? Here's the point this morning. Judas was focused on Mary's obedience, but making light of his disobedience. And here's what happened. It says then then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. Verse 7, but Jesus said, let her alone. Hey, man, chill out. Chill. Then he says, 
She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. So here's three thoughts really quick from this passage. Number one is this. There is an enemy of generosity, and it's called selfishness. Generosity starts with G, Satan with God. Satan starts with S, selfishness, if you want to look at it that way. Satan will always, or the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You always operate under his agenda with selfishness. You will never operate under God's agenda because he has no selfishness within him. He is a God that gave everything. There is an enemy of generosity. And I asked myself this question when reading this. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift? And why would Judas steal? Here's why. There's two separate hearts that are flowing through this passage. And the first was the heart of generosity. The second was the heart of selfishness. Jesus gives us a picture of what the heart of generosity looks like. He gives us a picture of what the heart of selfishness looks like. Whether you realize this or not, you were all born selfish. And I've said this before, you don't have to train your child to be selfish. It's programmed in them. It's programmed in them to say, that's my toy, that's my toy, that's my toy. I mean, it's just, yes. It is. No, it's not. Stop. Leave me alone. Go in another room. Or, you know, you got older siblings and younger ones, and, and they're fighting, and they're in another room, and you hear them, and you hear the little one going, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, and your 17-year-old's holding the toy trying to, trying to argue with the, with the five-year-old. We're, we're built selfish. We're built with selfishness. We don't have to be trained to be selfish. Selfishness, listen, Selfishness promotes, protects, and provides for self. That's what it does. Selfishness is like that stray cat that you constantly feed, hoping that it goes away. That stray cat's not going. Before long, it's going to be sitting on your couch, and you're going to be naming that thing Whiskers. And what once was just a stray cat outside that you should have just said, get out of here, I'm not giving you any more milk. Instead, now he's living with you. That's what selfishness is. Selfishness thinks about self. It promotes self. It protects self. It provides for self. And as followers of Christ, we are called to abandon everything. As followers of Christ, we are called to give all we have to the advancement of God's kingdom on the earth. This is not a pastor thing. This is not a church thing. This is a kingdom of God Jesus thing. That the heart of, of God's kingdom is generosity. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2. He says, In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says, You will live in a culture that all it screams is consumption, mine, mine, mine. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Number two, the, ex the extravagance of generosity. It says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Listen, God is a generous God and gave you an extravagant gift in his son. Sending his son to the earth 
was the most extravagant thing anyone could do for you. You know, you read through the scripture and you think about David. David gave 21, in today's money, David gave $21 billion to the building of God's temple. That's extravagant. $21 billion. The widow in the New Testament gave two mites. And Jesus said, you've given more than everybody. For the widow, it was extravagant. For David, it was extravagant. What makes an extravagant gift? What makes generosity extravagant? The attitude behind it. See, Mary says this. Listen, Mary, Mary gave 300 denarii. I don't know if you know what denarii is. <laughs> it's not a restaurant. But denarii is a day's wage. And what they would say the lingo was is that she gave 300 days wage, which means she gave a year of her salary to purchase this. This would cost her one year's wage to purchase the oil that was, she was simply going to pour out at the feet of Jesus. Think about extravagance when it comes to generosity. That's extravagant. It's an extravagant lifestyle. Isaiah 32, 8 says, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Listen, giving is not just something we occasionally do. Generous is who we are. It's who we are. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a program. It's, a, it's, a, it's an overabundance. It's an it's a overflowing of joy that says, I can't help but give. I can't help but be generous. I can't help but look outside the needs of myself and look at the needs of others. And then there's a reward of generosity. And I'll close with this. The reward of generosity. Mark chapter 14, verse number 8 says, She did what she could. This is speaking of Mary. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, listen to this. This woman, Mary, he says, wherever I preach the gospel and wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And I asked myself as I was studying this text, why did Mary take a year's salary and give it to the Lord? Why did she take such an extravagant gift and pour it on the feet of our Savior. Here's why. There was a man sitting at the table with Jesus named Lazarus that two months prior, which would be Mary's brother, two months prior was in a tomb. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Her brother now sits at the table who was once dead but is now alive. This struck me. Why did she give a year's worth of money, year's worth to purchase this oil to simply dump it out? It's because generosity comes from gratitude. That's all it was. She was simply saying, Lord, thank you. She was simply saying, Lord, thank you for raising my brother from the dead. And she took out of her heart of generosity and poured that costly oil on his feet because generous people are grateful people. Generosity. She lived with this place where she was generous coming from gratitude. She did not come to be rewarded, but God always rewards. 
She did not come with the heart that I'm giving to get rewarded. No, that was a byproduct of her heart saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for raising my brother up. And so out of a heart of generosity, she gave. Why am I so motivated, for example, about the Leadership Academy? It's because I didn't have that in my life as a kid. I didn't have anybody coming alongside me in my brokenness and saying, man, you can do it. You can make it. You can be a good student. You can have good relationships. You can make good choices. You can be a person of character and you can affect society. Nobody told me that. So guess what? Out of the gratefulness of God in my life and saying, Jesus, thank you for everything you've done. You've delivered me from sin. You've set me free from addiction. You've restored family. You have washed me white as snow. Out of that place of generosity comes, hey, Joseph, baby, you can do this. You can make it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Why? Because generosity is always out of a place of gratefulness. Living with that open hand, God rewards extravagantly, and he wants us to be rewarded. Listen, Hebrews eleven six. and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he exists and that he is a rewarder. This is the only time you find the word rewarder in the Bible. It is a word that is made up of five syllables, and here's what it means. To give what is due. He is a rewarder. To give what is due, however, in that in that word, there's five syllables that make up that word in the original. There's one small syllable in there that changes the entire word of the word rewarder. And here's what it is. When he changes the syllable, it changes the whole thing. And here's what the word rewarder means. It means to give more than what is due. It means to reward with extravagance. In other words, God cannot help not reward you. That he is a rewarder for those that are generous. He's a rewarder for those that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those that are grateful. And one of the greatest ways that he showed extravagant love for us was by sending his son. And today, as we think about life and we think about generosity and we think about the reward of generosity all of a sudden in our lives we start to say god we're not going to live with this scarcity mindset we're going to live with an abundant mindset that says as we give you provide more you'll never see the righteous nor his seed begging for bread and all of a sudden now, he supplies all of our needs as we give and as we reach out and favor happens and doors open and generosity happens. And here's the great thing I love about generosity. True generosity is expecting nothing in return. And that's what she did. She simply wanted to pour out the oil upon his feet because she was grateful, not expecting a reward though that's who he is and he cannot not reward you but your motivation for generosity has to be a heart of gratefulness amen everybody let's pray this morning father i thank you today i thank you today for what you're doing i thank you god for a value of we lead with extravagant
generosity. That God, today, as we think about the gift of your son, God, there are those that may be watching online today that have never made you Lord of their life. Maybe today's their day that they say yes. Maybe there's those in this room that said, I need to come back to that place of, of a heart of gratefulness and allow my life to be a life of generosity. We'll be a church, God, of generosity where your heart perpetually beats at. We will continue to give. We will continue to bless. We will continue to trust you. We will continue to lead the way in radical generosity. And so, God, today I pray, if there's those in this room that in this moment need to say yes to you, come back to you, make a decision for you today, I ask, Lord, in this moment that you gave it all. I thank you that you gave it all. And so, Father, we pray today for those in this room. If in this room and you're like, man, I need that little heart change today. I need to make a change today. Would you do me a favor and just raise up your hand? Maybe it's the first time make a decision for Christ. Maybe it's I need to change my mentality upon generosity, whatever. I just want to say a prayer for you today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would fill every person in this room like those in the Macedonian church, that we would be filled to overflowing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah, God, we gotta use wisdom, but at the end of the day, Father, I thank you so much that we're just giving because we're grateful. So we love you today. I pray that you impact every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com. 